Welcome to Nightlife, the podcast. Watch the TV series Nine Perfect Strangers. Had Nicole Kidman as a kind of kooky psychotherapist in it. The show was set in these very glamorous buildings and grounds. It was the backdrop to a drama about a bunch of people having therapy with a difference at an exclusive resort in California. But that was no resort in California. That was a house that was uh, actually located in the Byron Bay hinterland in New South Wales. It's called Loon de Sang. It was built by an architectural firm called Crofi, who are known for their very high-end design. Tonight, I thought we'd have a look at the way that houses are used in film and TV, how location, location is as important in movie making as any other aspect of the design and planning process, and how the houses can sometimes become characters of their own. So I've got a couple of guests to uh, have a yarn with tonight. One is uh, Linda Cheng, who's the editor of architectureau.com. Hello, Linda. Welcome. Hello. Thank you for having me. And I'd also like to welcome Natalie Beach, who's a discipline lead in production design at the Australian Film, TV and Radio School. Hi, Natalie. Thanks for being part of the conversation. Hello, great to be here. Now, Alinda, you um, wrote an article recently um, featuring some of the more iconic houses that have been used in some uh, Australian TV shows. What do you think is the common theme with these houses? Because uh, you seem to be looking at some pretty high-end architecture. Um, yes, yes, I, I do certainly do that in my day job. It's, it's definitely a very fun part of the job, looking at some lovely houses. Um, I guess you could say that they're all um, quite high end, but I think what they all sort of have in common is that they are very bespoke. Um, you can certainly see that the architects have taken a lot of care um, in designing these houses for their clients and in sometimes it's for themselves. Um, I think in a lot of these cases, these houses are obviously very distinct and I suppose that's why they're chosen for these um, movie and TV show locations. Their settings are certainly very special um, and very intriguing. And I I tend to sort of think that, you know, our houses um, in real life are incredibly expressive of our own personalities. So it doesn't really surprise me that a lot of these um, houses get chosen for it or to um, depict personalities of the characters that are in these shows. So I want you to tell us about Wolseley House. Which show was this used in? Yes, so Wolseley House um, was uh, appeared in Upper Middle Bogan um, and uh, I, I actually spoke to um, the architect um, Nick McKim, who, and this was his house, um, the other day and um, I asked him, well, how did you feel about this being an upper middle bogan? And he said it was probably not the best thing to be associated with, but he sort of takes it on the chin and he's sort of very good humoured about it. So um, I guess well, this he is thought a... his house was too posh to be a, bog- a show to do with bogans or... Oh, I, yeah, I guess so. I mean, I think, you know, this house is sort of, um, you know, when you watch it in Upper Middle Bogan, obviously it's, a, it's an incredible comedy and um, the it's a parody of this sort of, um, you know, very clean, minimalist, um, modernist um, architecture. Mm. And 
the the character um Danny um who is the husband of the main character he's an architect and his character is is definitely a parody of of the modern architect these days and so um <laughs> and oh, yeah yeah so that, i mean the humor in it is is just just on point um so yeah so this house is in Brighton um in a bayside suburb of Melbourne um, and you can see in the show that it's it's what what's shown is um, very sort of uh, con- very raw concrete, very rectilinear. Um, I think the part that of the house that they show is the formal living area, and it features this um, sort of circular mural on the wall by the artist Lucas Grogan. Um, and um, and you sort of also see throughout the show that um, Danny is trying to sort of his family's trying to move in. You know, this is his first project. He's about to um, get it shot for a magazine, um, and he's you know doesn't really want his family to start to um, you know unpack and have all that clutter. Um, <laughs> not allowed to live in it yet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're not allowed to live in it. You, you, can, you know, but you can unpack all that stuff after it, it's 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 shot. And so, mm-hmm. um, uh, so um, quite funnily, the the first night the family spends um, in the house, Danny's in it alone while his family is at his in-laws. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it seems like the house, I mean, the house was perfect for, for what they were they were trying to say about it. So I guess the thing is, if you're going to agree to your house being on film or TV, then you kind of got to wonder, what is it about my house that they're actually looking for, don't you? Yeah, yeah. And I think, um, I think you know, this is a case of um, certainly one particular room of this house being very sort of indicative of that very modernist sort of look. Um, And I don't necessarily think that that is a bad thing. So now let's go to Natalie. Natalie uh, Beach is Discipline Lead in Production Design at the Australian Film, TV and Radio School. Natalie, as a production designer, what sort of things do you look for in a house to be used as a film location? Yes, well, I might just start with explaining what a production designer does because it can be a little bit of a mystery for some. And essentially, we're responsible for the entire visual look of a film. So the difference with architectural design is that a production designer really works to support the visual storytelling. And, you know, we collaborate with the director and the cinematographer in order to create that visual language. language. So everything that's in front of the camera has been thought about by the production designer and their art department. And the choice of location is incredibly important. Um, You know, the choice of a house is so important that we consider, you know, it's about the environment that the character inhabits. So the choices are always made to support the particular story world. Okay, so do you start, if you start with the character and the story, how do you actually find a house or find a location? Look, I love the location scouting process. It usually begins with a production designer having those conversations with the other key creatives and we'll put together a little bit of a brief for the location scout or location manager. And then it's basically us all getting in a car together, the designer and the location manager, the director and the cinematographer, driving around and um, seeing these spaces and starting to have these conversations. Just driving randomly, or have you got an idea of where you're actually going? I mean, do you say, <laughs> you know, I want to set it in the northern suburbs of Adelaide and you go drive around there? I mean, how planned are you? Have you looked at potential houses online or, you know, how do you narrow it down, I guess? 
Yeah, absolutely. There is a shortlisting process. We know sort of what we're what we're wanting to look for. Um, and then, you know, it's really getting in there. And I mean, I absolutely love being able to do this because it really, it's so important for authenticity to even have a look inside other people's homes. <laughs> you learn so much about who people are and um, it's, you know, there's no substitute for observing that the way people live. So I think locations are incredibly important and particularly in, a, in an Australian context, we don't have huge um, studio-based production like, like Hollywood does and in America. So, you know, but locations can really offer a level of, of authenticity that sometimes a studio-built set might not have. Okay, so in America, what you're more likely to have a house built on a, with a, just with a studio set than you are here in Australia? Often the exteriors are actual locations, but the entire interiors are often on sound stages. And we do do that in Australia as well. Um, but what is more closer to our process is piecing together multiple locations to make it feel like one particular house. We're very well versed in Australia sort of making locations work. Um, we have smaller budgets. We don't have the big powerful studio-based systems. Um, so it's a really interesting way for us to work. Yeah. So you're saying, Natalie, sometimes we might be watching something and we think it's all set in one house, but maybe you've got three or four different houses that are being used for different rooms. Yeah, that's right. And the Loon de Sang house from Nine Perfect Strangers is a really fantastic example of that. Um, I spoke with the amazing production designer, Colin Gibson, of that series recently. He's known for Mad Max Fury Road, so he's a highly respected production designer. And he told me that actually there were two properties, two completely separate properties that they managed to sort of piece together to create the, the Tranquillium house. Uh, you know, it's a wonderful example of movie magic where they're able to sort of pick the best bits from both properties and then connect them visually using the greenery, using the artworks and set dressing, and as well as the beautiful fig trees that both those properties had. So there was sort of visual continuity in, in the decisions that they made. But yeah, combining locations to make it the one, we do it quite often. <laughs> uh -huh. Now, how do people's houses come to be used? Is there a database of people going, sure, I'd like my house to be in a film? Or are you knocking on people's doors and going, hey, love what you've done here. We think it could make a great location. Look, there certainly are databases and a lot of those beautiful high-end properties um, can be in, in a database. Uh, a lot of commercial production likes, you know, the big showy, beautiful homes. But really, a lot of our Australian stories are sort of, you know, about every person and it's very suburban and that really does involve a you know a long process of door knocking letter dropping uh, and you know lots of going into people's homes and just seeing whether it could work or not i assume you pay them if you're going to use their home Oh, yes, we absolutely. <laughs> yes, there's a huge period of negotiation with the location owners. Um, often they're, they're moved out of the home and sent on a lovely holiday or take some time in a, in another, in a hotel or in another property. And really that's when the conversations begin as to what they ha are happy for the art department yeah. to do to transform their home. Um, often it can be taking all the furniture out and doing a full repaint or a wallpaper. But often you sort of have those conversations and work out what, you know, what can be left and what does work um, I mean sometimes we even go in and get involved in landscaping and have been involved in installing pools and spas and oh really do they people get to keep the pools afterwards <laughs> again if they're happy to have the pool or um or ha depending on how the pool is installed all of those conversations happen throughout the process so yeah. look I've got a federation house very happy for you to come in pop in a pool send me <laughs> on a holiday so <laughs> sounds absolutely great um I might go to the phones because we've got a few people who've got some stories uh, that they want to share share Bruce 
Hey, Bruce from the Sunshine Hello. Coast. How are you doing? Hello. Hello. Now, you ended up in the film Paperback Hero. How did that come about? Oh, well, I was just one of the locals that lived in the area. Um, it was filmed at a little settlement. I wouldn't even say it's a town, but it, there's a pub there. Used to be a post office, but it's closed. Um, it's called Nindy Gully. It's about 500 kilometres west of Brisbane. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> it's still, that pub is still the oldest licensed hotel in Queensland. Wow. And 1863, I think it's got a license. Right. And so that ended up, by the sounds of it, getting scouted for Paperback Hero. And what you, how did you get involved as an extra? Did they ask you or you asked them? Well, I just, I was at the pub, like most of the locals <laughs> get into the pub, you know, from the district, you, you might drive 30 or 40 kilometres into the pub and, and uh, they were starting the process of getting the film organised and we were just in the background as crowds. Yeah. So they just, they just filmed you doing what you were doing anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Did you see yourself in the movie when it, um, when it came out? Like, yeah, caught a little glimpse. Yeah. There was, um, you know, flashes around. It was the first um, movie that Hugh Jackman made. Oh. Well, it's, there you go. You were there at the very beginning of Hugh Jackman's career, Bruce, so well, <laughs> that's something. Now, Christine, oh, you actually had your, your house used when you were a child. I did. It was so exciting. All right, tell me all about it. Okay, so what I remember was uh, I was, uh, well, very discreet behind the camera in my dining room when they were doing a, a scene with Judy Davis. And uh, I don't know if you remember the, the the TV show called Hannibal Hayes and Kid Curry? I don't. Or Alias Smith and Jones? Mm, I don't, well, but I'm sure a, people do. A, a very handsome actor in that called Ben Murphy, American actor. So he was a lead in this in this film. So I got to watch him and Judy Davis doing the same scene over and over and over again. And um, I think I must have spent the whole week there in my house. They obviously took out a lot of our furniture and changed a few things, but it was just so exciting. A whole street, like for a whole block in this tiny little street, Underwood Street, Paddington, um, had all these uh, movie trucks in it for like a week or two weeks. And, um, you know, for their makeup and catering and everything else and um it was just very exciting also do you remember a show called matlock police oh that's familiar i don't know that i watched it Australian, a police drama there was a lead actor from that called john hargraves he was in this movie as well and it was called sidecar races so um so, it was yeah christine how did that come to be filmed in your house do you know what the story okay. is well, I was only nine or ten, so I have no idea why they picked our house. So it's still a mystery uh, up to this day. So yeah. I really should ask my older sister. You should. And I, your friends, did they get excited and want to come along and watch? I don't think they were allowed. Oh. So only family were allowed during the shoot. I remember my younger sister and I, you know, perched behind the camera watching, <laughs> you know, 
keeping out of the way from all the, the crew, the production and the sound and lighting people. And interestingly enough, I did pursue an acting career. So I, I dare say that the experience of watching all this excitement in my own home had an impact on me. <laughs> oh, that's a wonderful story, Christine. Thank you so much for, uh, for ringing in and telling us all about that. We're talking about the kind of homes that uh, um, producers and location scouts choose to become, be put on film and TV. I've got Linda Cheng here, who's the editor of architectureau.com. Also Natalie Beek, the head of film design at the Australian Film, uh, Television and Radio School. Now, um, Linda, I want you to tell us about a house that was used in Perth. Uh, I think it's called Paganin House uh, in the film Thunderstruck from 2004. Yeah, so um, Paganin House is probably one of the most seminal houses of Australian architecture and it's, it's certainly um, one of the most seminal houses in Perth and it was designed by um, an architect called Iwan Iwanoff and he is um, one of the most important architects in, to come out of Perth. Um, and so this house um, was originally built in 1965. It's located in the Perth suburb of Floriot, where Iwanoff built a lot of his houses. Um, and it's beautifully expressive. You can see um, the, the street exterior. It's got these beautiful arched um, marble arch arches on the front um, and the inside has um, timber ceilings. It's got this um, uh, sort of raised dining area that's got timber battens around it. And this was um, used in the, uh, the film Thunderstruck, um, which is about these um, guys who um, they're big fans of ACDC and they sort of promise to each other that if one of them dies, the rest of them would take... Um, uh, their friend's body or ashes to um, Fremantle Cemetery and scatter the ashes um, on the grave of Pond Scott. Um, and so, so we see this house um, in the scene after Ronnie's funeral um, and uh, the wake um, is at um, his house. So it makes a very, very small um, cameo, but I, I just love how... Um, you know, this, this house is beautifully expressive and this film is beautifully expressive. So it sort of marries together very, very well. Um, and tragically, this house burnt down um, in 2015, but um, the owners at the time have very painstakingly, very faithfully reconstructed this house to almost original condition. As it happens, we actually have one of the owners uh, on the line who is Bewley Clement. Hey, Bewley, how are you doing? Hello, Bewley. No. <laughs> oh, no, I don't think he's there right now. All right, we might have to... Um... Oh, no, now he is. Okay, sorry about that. Uh, hi, Bewley. Hi, Suzanne. How are you? Hi. Now, tell me about your connection to this film that was used in Thunder... This house that was used in Thunderstruck. Yeah, I'm I'm the nephew of the, the man who built the house, um, Victor Shalo. Um Yeah, I'm living in it right now. I'm sitting in the actual lounge room that we well, some of the scenes were filmed in, actually, which is pretty much the way it was. Oh wow! <laughs> so take us back to how you what you know the story you've been told about how your family's home got involved in this film. 
Yeah, um, Location Scout came and approached Uncle and they asked him if he would be um, would like to be in, have his house in a movie because it was um, the kind of place they were looking for, it was sort of a kitschy looking place um, near Fremantle. So yeah, they came, brought a whole heap of people here, producer, about 30 odd people rolled up one day and um, yeah, we were all here and he they went through the house and said, it's perfect. Don't touch a thing. Um, we want it exactly the way it is. They threw a couple of things up on the wall, I think, um, a religious painting or something. And that was pretty much it. And it was, yeah, it's as it was and still is. So how did you all feel about the house being kitschy looking, according to the description? Yeah, well, I'd, I'd use the house a lot in my work because I'm a photographer. And, um, oh, right. It's been produced, it'd been used in a lot of ads like for the RAC and stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, it was, no, we, we, well, we love the place. It's a family home. So, yeah. and I've, I've inherited it now. So, um, yeah, I'm the caretaker of the, I hold the torch now, the legacy. Yeah. yeah. Well, so you had your family then actually been very keen for the house to be used on, on film and TV because, it's, as you just said, it's been in quite a few things. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, every, every opportunity we just throw a hand up and said, <laughs> "Just pimping out your he, house, he aren't was, you?" <laughs> well, he's very proud of his house. He he, he built it himself, and yeah. um, we've we've been living in the street since 1926. My grandparents oh, wow. lived in the house next door, and um, this was an old dairy. The site was an old dairy that my granddad used to run, and with uh, with my dad and my uncle's help and all that sort of stuff, and. Yeah, so it's it's been a it's been quite a family tradition legacy, so to speak. Mm. So I assume you've seen Thunderstruck then. Oh yeah, we went yeah. to the opening. Oh, um, of course. Took Uncle to the opening, and he stood up there, and he stands up and goes, "That's my house. <laughs> That's my house. Look at that." And he's poking people and telling everybody, and they're all going, "Yeah, okay, sit down, mate. Yeah, thanks." <laughs> oh, fantastic! But, yeah. yeah. Now, Linda mentioned the house burnt down. Is this right? No, not this house. <laughs> I'm living in it right now. Oh, it was a different <laughs> different house then. I think you're talking about the Iron Off house or something. That, well, the one in Florida. Oh, no, I think I'm confused with these. Are we talking about two different houses in Thunderstrike and I've decided that they're the same house? I think this might be the no. case. Linda, is that what no. I've done? Uh, I think I think so. The, uh, this must be must be. There are there are several houses in in Thunderstruck. Right. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. They 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 filmed it mostly over here. I think it was supposed to represent being in Sydney. The house was supposed to be um, a house in Sydney that they left from. So they didn't come to here. They actually left from here. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. I think I think that's a different different character's house. Oh, okay. Be, yeah. See, well, this is what Natalie was saying. Lots of different houses getting used, so it's no wonder. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I ended up feeling a bit confused here. And so, Bewley, when's your house going to be on the screen next? Have you got any more offers, any more irons in the fire? <laughs> yeah, we'll have to wait to bring out Thunderstruck 2, I suppose. <laughs> I don't know if they'll get Sam Worthington back again or Stephen Curry. No, they're pretty big time um, now, aren't they? So you had them in your yeah. house? Yeah, yeah, they're yeah. all in the back. They're in the back shed there. They um they filmed the band scenes down in the the shed. Um they had, um they filmed in the shed. Um they filmed in the kitchen and in the lounge room. And out the front. 
Oh, wow. Starring, starring role. And as we know, that made your uncle very happy. All right, really, it's lovely to chat to you. Okay, thank you. <laughs> right. Bye. Uh, that is... Uh, Bewley, whose uh, home was used for the film Thunderstruck, one of many, as I'm uh, just figuring out. Linda, um, let's look at some of the other houses that you've been writing house. There's um, Kalara House, which was uh, designed by Harry and Penelope Seidler. What was that used for? Yes, so this house appeared in Pieces of Her, which was a Netflix um, sort of thriller, um, psychological suspense um, drama. So this, again, is one of the most iconic houses in Australia. Um, And it was actually the home of Harry and um, Penelope Seidler and their, you know, two very preeminent um, architects. Um, And like the um, Paganin house, you know, this house, you know, was built in the 60s and basically nothing about this house has changed. It's it's endured, like, beautifully. Um, So the site of this house is a sort of very, very sloping site um, and the house has a creek on one side and on the other side it's um, a sort of nature um, reserve. And because of the slope, this house sort of steps itself down the slope through four half levels. So you you sort of walk in and you can sort of see down half a level. You go down half a level, you can see down another half level. So there is this, it's a sort of very ingenious um, way of um, separating um, the spaces functionally within the house, um, but also maintaining that sort of visual connection. Um and the house is, um, it uses quite a lot of concrete and I think Harry and Penelope Siler wanted it to be basically indestructible and they wanted the house to sort of outlast them and, you know, be really, really low maintenance. Um, and I sort of find it quite interesting the way that it has been portrayed in um, pieces of her because um, they've basically removed all of the furniture from the house and I think for a viewer who may not know the house, House very well. I'm. I know. I would be. I would love to know what a viewer thinks because it it it's sort of you know is portrayed, especially with the cinematography, with this sort of sense of foreboding. And there's no furniture in the house. There's lots of concrete, so it sort of looks very sort of in, institutional, um, in that way. So um, yeah, I'd be fascinated to hear what um other people think about it from the way that it's been portrayed in pieces of her. Um, Natalie, I wonder if you think you know there are some sort of film cliches in in productions like this. For example, a minimalist house with a not very much ornamentation means a psychopathic personality. You know, films like American Psycho are there sort of house cliches like that that pop up in film and TV? Yes, look, I suppose there are. I mean, we as as filmmakers, we really lean into the principles of design and, and theories around affect. So often there are sort of occurring motifs and ideas around certain types of houses for villains and certain types of houses for heroes, um, because we're always wanting to really connect the house with the character, you know, who, who inhabits that space. Um, you know, we're playing with people's emotions, really, with, with on the screen. And, you know, we use colour theory and ideas about space and tone. So it's certainly something that does occur. Her. And um, I mean, I think another good example of that is uh, the houses used in The Invisible Man, where the villain of that home, you know, he's very domineering and soulless. And I know the production designer, Alex Holmes, really wanted that reflected in the location. Uh, so they, they really wanted to go for a brutalist style of architecture, um, a high-end prison of sorts. And that certainly plays out in the film. And the opposite of that is, is the home that the Elizabeth Moss character, um, she finds respite in a much warmer, 
uh, very familiar family type space. Um, so there definitely are those ideas at play. Yeah. Uh, uh, Natalie, what are some of your favourite location houses in films? Oh, it's a tough question because there's so many. Um, look, I think, uh, you know, I teach at the Australian Film School and we've had our 50th birthday this year. Um, so I've got to go with an Australian one and I can't go past the Heslops family home in Muriel's wedding. Um, you know, it's not a flashy home. It's very much a, a suburban suburban home, not in Porpoisebit. It's in Narrabeen, New South Wales. And I've just found out that the current owner had been living in, the, in that home their entire life and they were only two years old when Muriel was filmed back in 94 oh, wow. so it's you know it's a lovely unassuming suburban mid-century brick home it oozes character and it's such a great space for that battle of family um, dynamic to play out mm. I suppose some of us would love to think that some of those houses are real I mean for example wouldn't we all probably like to go to the Kerrigan's house in the castle and go chuck something in the pool room but apparently it didn't have a pool room that house it's a bit sad isn't it no, that, house, right. that house does it exist, though. That is a real house. And I think it was actually heritage listed a few years ago. What, because of the castle? Because of the castle, <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, no, imagine the poor people trying to do renovations who now can't because the castle was filmed there. Although I guess they, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> they signed up for that too. Um, yeah. yeah. And actually, what do you think are some of the most iconic houses that have been used perhaps overseas? I, mean, I guess one that springs to my mind is the Amateurville Horror, which sort of had such a distinctive design. Or are there any others that spring to your mind? Yes, I mean, there's so many sort of international productions that really use amazing locations. Um, just the top of my head, I mean, the Breaking Bad series is very much tied to, you know, that this idea of um, where the White family lived, um, the Dexter homes. I mean, there's, it's, and even the um, Stranger Things, the, the homes in, in that, I mean, that particular house as the most recent, um, it's sort of where the most recent series takes place. That's been used in a number of American TV series and it's really wonderful to see the transformation from each, each series, each character, how they sort of rework it. So there's so many out there. It's such a fascinating area. Alinta, have you got some uh, Australian and international favourites? Um, I... Can't go past this is not a house, but I can't go past the South Lawn Car Park at the University of Melbourne, which has cult <laughs> status because of the Mad Max movie uh-huh. um, that starred Mel, Mel Gibson. I think it was the original one. Um, and I actually heard um, that uh, the film crew for that movie basically did it on a really, really low budget. Um, and they sort of didn't really get any permits or secret permission for a lot of the locations. So I would love to know if they basically just snuck into the car park in the middle of the night to shoot that scene. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Yeah, and I understand there are a few places overseas you can even go on tours of to, to see some of the locations where things were, were filmed. And actually my producer, Mandy, I think she grew up on the street where the, uh, the Sullivans was filmed. Yeah, this is right. She used to live around the corner from the Sullivans house in Canterbury in Melbourne. So she used to watch that. It's always pretty exciting. I guess, would you guys give up your houses to be uh, in a movie or TV, Linda? Oh, I think for a pool and a holiday, I'd do it for sure. (laughs) (laughs) I know, I'm totally there. Natalie, how would you feel about seeing your house on on TV or film? What, What character do you think it would play? 
Oh, look, I think I know too much. <laughs> but you know what? I really, I mean, I've got two young kiddos and I just have to mention the Bluey house. I know it doesn't exist, but we all wish it did. I think that is a house that I would absolutely love to go for, for on a holiday. <laughs> Hang out at the Bluey house. <laughs> uh, well, thank you both for being with us tonight on Nightlife to uh, have a chat about some of the houses used in film and TV. It's been great fun. Yes, it certainly has been. Thank you for having us. It's been great. Thanks for having me. Uh, Linda Cheng, editor of architectureau.com and also Natalie Beek, who is the head of film design at uh, the Australian Film Television and Radio School. You've been listening to a Nightlife podcast. For more great conversations about the issues that impact you, as well as features on travel and food, head to the Nightlife webpage. You'll find it at abc.net.au slash nightlife. You don't need to be a night owl to enjoy the nightlife.